0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Arash's World. Today we have a special guest. We have Elaine Holm. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing very well.
0: Wonderful. Thanks. So, how would you briefly introduce yourself? And that's a question I ask all all uh, the people on my podcast. What would you say?
1: Well, um, I live in Reno, Nevada, currently. Prior to being in Reno, I was I lived in Lake Tahoe, and prior to that, I. Raised my kids in uh, Carson City, so I've been in Nevada for a long time. My background is that of a psychotherapist. Um, I'm I was a marriage and family therapist, and so I loved working with families and kids and anybody who came to my office. Really, I also got interested in transpersonal psychology along the way, and also in um, the philosophy, and the practice of yoga. And so combining the therapy and the yoga is what constitutes my book, Everyday Soul Dances.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to talk about.
1: I'm sorry I interrupted.
0: No, I interrupted you. So the book you're mentioning is Everyday Soul Dances, a guide to soulful living in the midst of uncertain times. And it really feels, just from the title, this is a book we need for our times. And I would agree with it because I've read it and it is a book that is very helpful and useful for our times. So I'd like to just mention that I like the mention of soul, which is often people avoid those terms because of connotations to spirituality and religion, and especially soulful living, which is not the same as mindful living. Would you agree with that? I would agree with
1: that. That's a very interesting distinction. (laughs) Yes, yes.
0: And so we, mindfulness is something we talk about and I do encourage, but I, I feel like soulful goes even deeper than that because the the mind also has its limits. but when you look at the soul, it actually includes the mind and goes beyond it. So how would you define it in this case?
1: Well, quite an interesting to start start to our conversation. Um, I agree with you. Mindfulness is about taming our minds and being aware of our thoughts and what we choose to think, which is so important <laughs> because our minds are our great friends but also can be our enemies because they can the mind the thoughts can run away with this. So that's where mindfulness comes in. I take the soul or I see the soul as more comprehensive. It it includes all of our being. It includes our background, our karmas, our lives, paths, and our our spiritual dimensions. And that's the difference, I think, with mindfulness. Because for me, it's all about accessing the spirit. Because the spirit is alive within us. Our God selves are alive within us. And once we know that, then we are no longer stuck. Oh, I have to get this done. This is my, so stressful. You know, that kind of mentality is how we run around most of the time. But when we realize that we're in communion with our divinity, then that changes the story. And I write about how we can change that story through psychological practices and also spiritual ones and once we do that then we can stay more centered or we can come back to center and back to holiness once we lose our way and we lose our way all you know all the time because we're human and it's our learning process but the fact that we have this other dimension that's within us and so available to us is so beautiful and it's so profound and it's where our creativity comes in it's where we know that we're more than human beings we're spiritual beings and so it's exponentially greater than anything we can imagine within our individual selves
0: I love that. Yeah, absolutely. We can think of it as the onion. and So you have the, the peel, which is basically the mind worrying about the past, worrying about the future. And this is the state where most of us are at, uh, because we constantly think about this, what could happen and so on. And often it's not as bad as we think it is. So we just exaggerate, worry. And then there's mindfulness, which I think is then at the moment, which is also important, like living in this moment. But then there is the soulful one which encompasses everything and goes deeper into that. There's more than to this moment or even this life in many ways where we expand it and we're part of the whole thing. So I think it's it's wonderful to look past that and not getting stuck even in the moment because the moment might not be good, right? So and we just have that, that confidence and faith that there is more to it, that maybe the suffering of this moment does serve a certain purpose or a moment of growth and learning, or maybe there's a reason behind it. And I'd like to dive into the idea of past lives and karma a little bit with you here.
1: Well, yes, because we—we we it's great that you said we're so much greater than who we are in the moment, because in the moment we can lose our way and feel horrible. <laughs> um we're multi-dimensional beings and that's what is so exciting to me about who we are as a humanity it's not that just you're a guy and i'm a woman it's that at this other level every single one of us is connected we're all brothers and sisters to one another saint francis said that long time ago and if we know that then there aren't any good, bad, good guys and bad guys and the way the yogis explain it is that we all have karma that we have accumulated either in this lifetime or previous ones and that the karma sets up our ego and our persona and where we live and how we live and who we're in relationship to which may or may not be all that good and so one of the aspects of this lifetime's journey is to let go of all of the negative karma that we have created you know we're set up in a particular lifetime to undo certain karmas and we apparently our soul unites with other souls to um, make agreements that this is what we're going to work on so if we know that then we're going to work on those things (laughs) and if we can heal karma and learn to do things differently, then we're more in touch with our soul. And if we realize that we all are here to undo negative karma and to learn how to love better, then for me, it really helps me understand some of the craziness in our world and some of the um, the people who seem to be so out of control and so rather than dismissing them and saying oh they're horrible people no they're people that have a lot of public karma often to undo and they may be serving a purpose to help other people look at their ways and hopefully wake up Mm -hmm. the waking up part is so important because once we wake up, all of it's like taking, like a shaped snake shedding its skin, or taking off a costume. It's like, oh, I don't have to wear that anymore, and instead, I'm in this pure being. Or there being the other karma I'll be working on, but it'll be different. And it's all about getting closer and closer to our God, Goddess self. Know that within us is this infinite, beautiful, magnificent, outstanding being, and that we're we're a part of that. I am, you are, everybody else is, and so we're all moving towards the light, and we all are at different levels. The other part about karma is that um, there's karma that we create in this lifetime. And so it could be negative or it could be positive. If it's negative, hopefully we'll wake up. Our minds will say, wait a minute, that's not okay. And then we will do whatever we need to do. Maybe it's get therapy. Maybe it's to resolve relationship issues. It could be all kinds of things. And again, it's letting go of the the energies that keep us bound keep us feeling human and out of control and stressed and so I always like to take a big breath yeah. and and open to the possibilities that we're more than we think we are in this moment.
0: But the moment is, again, hugely important because that's when the realization would come. And it's uh, not like waiting for the the future so it will come then. It has to be right now at this moment when people watching us, they might get suddenly uh, an insight or inspiration. And that that is really the the spark that we need in the moment. And as you mentioning the the different dimension, I I remember a book I saw as an undergrad student which uh, fascinated me. And I think it's called Powers of Ten. And you see like the, the, the atoms, like the closest we can microscopically look, we can look at what it looks like and uh, we go deep into it. And then it kept zooming out by powers of 10 until we get to like the sky and we see a person's hand and it just further zooms out. And then once you get to the uh, highest we can reach, it's exactly the same image that was the first one. So when the inner and the outer kind of combined, if you go deep into something, you end up outside of everything, which I found fascinating. So there's like a spirituality that that connects it, whether you go deep in or you go deep outside. It's basically the same thing. So that fascinated me, and I think what reading your book too, I, there are two things I, I I loved, and especially it brought to to mind uh, to consciousness of um, how our relationships are often a, a way of learning. For us, and even the ones that are bad, especially the ones that are bad, where we have the opportunity to to grow from it and learn, and not repeat the same pattern on one side. And uh, the the other thing, when you again talked about uh, where we judge people, where evil people, quote unquote, and um, then we forget that maybe in our past life, and you mentioned that. We were on the other side, and we were the one who was uh, oppressing others, and now we're, we're the victim. So it's kind of like also a cycle that we would go through lives, and if that was us in a previous lifetime, then we can't really judge them because that's the process that we all need to go through.
1: Uh, we can't, We can't judge them, and what you're saying is that we take a broader view mm-hmm. of humanity, of who we all are. And in that way, we can have so much more compassion. (laughs) And our world needs that. (laughs) You know, if we have compassion, we're not judging. We're not pointing guns at somebody else. We really don't have enemies. There might be bad people doing bad things to us. But this larger view of who we are at the soul level, we all have souls. (laughs) Some of whether them, we believe
0: it or not we do yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh,
1: and and uh, Gary Zukoff did such a great job talking about this in The Seat of the Soul which is a book way back I think in I don't know the 80s or 90s he talked about we're all moving towards the light some of us are here some of us are here some of us are way back here and you know who, who knows how many lifetimes we need to do the growing to be able to merge more into the light. However, today, there are so many programs like yours and so many books to read that I see a lot lot of humanity waking up, waking up to who we really are and, and why we're here and how we can help. One another grow, but also really pay attention to what's going on inside and do something about it, you know, either in terms of helping others or resolve something within ourselves.
0: But I think there's also the distinction between uh, judgment and responsibility. And I think that uh, respons- we are all responsible, whether we acknowledge it or not, or whether we realize it or not to an extent. Again, some people more than others, I am aware of that. But there is that responsibility that we have towards others and towards ourselves. And I think we often overlook that. And if we, we try to avoid that, what can I do in this situation? or what led me to this situation, without judgment. You can do it without judgment. I think that is an important lesson, so to, to, to separate the two. And the person who does evil acts is responsible for it. Now, there might be reasons why, but I find that they're responsible for this, but they have the chance of learning from it. And as you say, waking up. And that is such an important moment. And uh, many of us uh, struggle with that. So how can we wake that up and say, you know what, I am responsible for many things that not everything of course uh but many things that are within my reach that i can control and again i love the serenity prayer it's like the difference that between what i can control and what i cannot but many people overlook the amount of control they actually do have in many ways
1: well you know there are two two answers for that and the first is probably more than two but um The first is to do a lot of soul searching. I love to journal. And journaling is a great way to pinpoint what we may have missed during the day or what we need to keep learning, um, what we're feeling that we didn't recognize as we walked through our days. So what we can do, and I I often write, okay, um, what is the truth of this? And what do I need to do for my part? The, the spiritual part though, in addition, is this person I'm having the conflict with. I might not be able to directly influence that person, but I can pray. I can pray for myself. I can pray for the other person. I can pray for the good of all. I can pray for the good of all people that get caught in these situations, because we all do. You know, and that that's the soul part because our words and our intentions are energy. Okay. And the energy goes out into the world and potentially it can change the story. We don't have to know what how the other person responds, but it's it's very healing <laughs> to see the larger picture. And, and I, I, I've I experienced that, and the other person.
0: Mm-hmm. And I've experienced that when people are angry, and maybe they're angry with me, and if my response is uh, one of anger too, and I feel triggered, then it just escalates. But I've had the opposite, where I felt at peace with myself, and then my response was not one of anger, but uh, a, a calmness, a peace, and it it affected them, and I saw the person's anger kind of like either went away. Or they just thought, like, I'm not going to waste my time with this guy because he's not responding to my provocation. And I think that is the, the, the responsibility that we, all of us, have to respond to these moments with calm, with peace, without d- drawing conclusions, or jumping to conclusions. And just taking that moment, it's like, okay, this person is venting. That's fine. Probably it's not even about me. They might even not know me. But if, if, even if they do, not taking everything so personally but i find like today and you say uncertain times and i think it's also very like defensive times everyone seems to be on the defensive you mentioned something and it might be misconstrued in in many ways and i think we just need to take a breath and relax on a a simple basis
1: it's often not that easy (laughs) however if we have the have the practice of i need to breathe Mm -hmm. i need to slow down i need to take some time before i react and i do journaling so i can understand my part what is that i really need to say to this other person coming from a loving heart rather than a defensive Mm -hmm. ego-bound posture you know a lot of our spiritual journey is dropping the ego and the, the
0: two systems, right? That uh, Daniel Kahneman talks about: system one, the fast-like thinking, where we respond to the moment, and then the one where we just slow down and process and take it in and evaluate things. The second system, and I think we really and meditation can help with that. But even in, in daily life, where you say, "Okay, I have an option now. I can immediately respond or not." I found that with emails too. I get an email, and the first moment, like, "I gotta respond to this because I got triggered. I'm angry," and I say, "No." Let's take a few moments and let's not regret the action. Because if I do that in the moment, it's probably going to come out all wrong. And sometimes it's also misunderstanding that I would have overreacted to. So it is hard, but it's that moment where you hear that, that, that tiny voice, the intuition, the, the, the spirit within that says, hold on, no, just wait, just wait a few seconds, take a deep breath. I think that's really necessary towards then more and more freedom uh, in our
1: lives. Well, that's where um, our growth lies, right? You know, when we we can do that, then we wake up. And then we have many more options in terms of how how we want to handle something. And that's what I really like about this process, because we are taking full responsibility Mm -hmm. and we're working internally enough to come up with a a better response, one that's more healing, one that's not defensive, one that allows for back-and-forth communication. And all of that can change stories. It sounds like a a simple communication process, Mm -hmm. but it's so much more.
0: Yeah. so exactly, and so much also depends on how we feel about ourselves, like the relationship we have with ourselves. Because if if you do love yourself, and if you do forgive yourself, and if, if you feel okay with yourself, then that's gonna project to the outside world. But if you're not, then anything will be complicated, even relationships, because then uh, you are not in sync with the other person, you're not hearing them, you overreact to situations and i think it's really our responsibility to to connect with that like you say and i think i love the term of dharma that doing your duty and even further we say consecration to dedicate yourself to a higher purpose whatever that may be but in order to get to the dharma you still we first have to know what is it and again what would be the definition of dharma here for our audience what would you say well in the uh, yogic
1: the ancient yogic traditions really they talk they write about do what is your spiritual duty what is your spiritual thrust in this lifetime why are you here from a spiritual perspective and of course there are many answers to that you know i i was here to raise these amazing human beings mm-hmm. i was here to do therapy with all kinds of people and then there's more to the story i'm here because it's my spiritual duty to take what i've learned and share it with others and and so we all have a dharma a spiritual duty in a particular lifetime however this is eastern philosophy and i have not read or heard about that outside of eastern philosophy I'm I probably too limited in my knowledge I'm not sure but um it's so important if we know that we're here for a spiritual reason that changes the story about who we are mm-hmm
0: what happens we have all these filters that the way we see the world and we have all these classifications and definitions. And you mentioned earlier, like a man and a woman, and then maybe like nationalities and religious beliefs and so on and race. And it, it gets really complicated then. But we get kind of stuck in those definitions. And I think it's, it's way beyond that. And as someone who I don't necessarily have one identity in terms of nationality, because I've lived across the world, I, I, I was born in one place, lived in another place, and I'm, I'm married with a person from another culture. So it really opened up my mind of like, it's not that limiting. It's not just saying like, I am this and uh, at the exclusion of others. And uh, that experience has taught me that we have more things in common than we think. And we need to be careful not to see people in just very limited ways, which leads to the ideas, again, or a practice of stereotypes and stereotyping and all that, because we see it only through one lens. And that can exist at any form, in any shape, from any person, right? So just kind of looking past that and seeing the spirit behind it all, the person behind all the other illusion that we see, right?
1: Well, all of that is of the mind, you know, uh, who we are culturally, this culture versus this culture. Mm -hmm. That's where meditation comes in. That's where spirituality comes in. Because if we only respond to mind, heart, body, then we see ourselves as this limited human being. Mm -hmm. But we also have all these subtle bodies. And that's where... We all relate to one another. You know, you and I look very different. But at the soul level, I don't know that we're that different. You know? <laughs> and so um, meditation is clearing the mind, opening the mind, making the mind spacious so that you see this mm-hmm. in which everything is included. Mm-hmm. It's not only that we are all one, but we are all one with everything. Yeah. That is so exciting. Yeah. Because then I can go out in my patio and have a communion with the roses. They're absolutely gorgeous this year because we have so much snow and rain. <laughs> you know, and so I can open my eyes to the beauty all around me. And it's not just within one person and another. It's it's so much more than that. So it's all about How large, how expansive can our minds become? Yeah, not getting
0: getting trapped in the black and white thinking or us versus them mentality. Uh, James Cameron uh, had an interview that I very much liked and he talked about um, how we care about family members. So we have this circle and we care about them. And then we can expand it to, we care about our nation, people of this country. But let's expand it further. And if we can expand it so far that this circle includes everyone, now, that is spirituality. and But we get stuck. We get stuck at one point. And it's like I, us versus them and me against the other. But once we eliminate that and we expand that circle and include them as well, I mean, that's the, the perfect outcome.
1: Well, and, and we can expand further. We can exactly. expand out into the cosmos. Yes, yes. This is our world. Yeah. All There's no limit. To- Of stars and the black holes and the galaxies, and uh, it's astonishing. And if we can see ourselves as I'm one speck, I'm one part of that, and you're another part. The stars are another part. There are a gazillion stories about who we are. We're so amazingly fascinating and huge in what we can take in yeah you know versus oh i don't like that person because she wore these colors and they're just like mine or you know whatever we get into (laughs) the little ways you know
0: i love it yeah
1: sorry
0: i love the term use of body temple too because it's this body through which we experience things and this body that connects us with our karma, where we can release it, where we can turn the negative into the positive. And, and when, when you look at, at spiritual beings like, like the Buddha, like Jesus, who were in, had bodies, and they, they didn't, uh, uh, in most cases, even the Buddha did not like, but religion changed that a bit. But I think like really appreciating the body as a temple and this is the the tool with which i can reach, uh, do a lot of things and that my spirit talks through and not mortifying the body or not not shaming it or not feeling bad about the body itself i don't i don't look like this i want to look like that and i think we get kind of uh, stuck with that in our relationship with our body but it can be so much more and, and meditation kind of helps that that connection like rebuilding that connection and trust between the body and the mind and seeing it really as one Thing.
1: In the um the yoga traditions, they talk about the body as the temple
0: mm-hmm.
1: that houses our spiritual self, the god self, goddess self, yeah. and that that self resides in the heart. Jesus said the same thing, the kingdom yeah. of God is within. Yeah. You know, so if I see my body as a temple and can keep that awareness forefront of my mind. I'm going to take better care of it. I'm going to take. I'm going to make better choices, mm-hmm. and a lot of that stuff you're talking about just falls away. This is my body. It's yeah. it's my unique part of this whole cosmic thing that we're all engaged in. You know? and well, it's, it was, it's my in
0: musical way, instrument. It's my musical instrument. It's my musical instrument with which I will play. And yeah. I want to get to the idea of dances, which I love very much. That kind of idea of like of dance, because it's, it's, it's not just a lesson. It's not something, it's just it's something that's joyful. And dancing is something that really does not have any specific purpose. It's not, it doesn't have a goal. And uh, Alan Watts talks about that is when you're dancing, you don't think I'm going to dance from this place to this place. We just, enjoy that moment and go with the flow and with the rhythm of things and we we lose that and that's my problem with a lot of self-help it's they say personal growth or improvement it's always like i want to be better and better and better which is again losing that moment and i like the term dance because it's really fully enjoying the moment and i think that is to a large extent why we're here to enjoy our time in life together and not be distracted by things that are not important or that are even uh, harmful to to our own psyche as well as body.
1: It's so interesting because in order to do that we have to know that we're spiritual beings. Yeah. We cannot do that from the ego. Yeah. From the ego it's like oh when I do when I leave here I have to you know and, or oh, i have this relationship it's a mess you know when we when we criticize ourselves that way we lose that preciousness that you're talking about Mm -hmm. and again it's like okay let's open to our spiritual being and let's see how far we can take it let's see how much we're given once we're in this other state, and then that's where it becomes phenomenal and so beautiful. There's so much more inside of us, even than there is on the outside. But we get caught up in these other things because that's how we live our ordinary lives. You know, have to do this. Have, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, even that that question of what if this moment is perfect the way it is. And asking ourselves, instead of thinking of, I'm lacking this, I could have had a better, I could have a better job, or I could have more money, or this and that. What if this moment is perfect the way it is? And once once you get that, it's kind of like a belief. It's like, I don't have to get better or change or become someone else. I am fine, or change a relationship. I am fine in this moment. Just that it doesn't mean that it's, it's not something that's constant, but even for a few moments, that would be really energizing oneself. And then now I can choose. Now I can choose the path I really want to take. Whereas if we get uh, kind of caught up in all these like struggles that we have and negativity and so on, then we, we can't advance in many ways.
1: That could be a spiritual practice in and of itself. Mm-hmm. This moment is perfect. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do to make the next moment perfect?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's where our mind comes in. That's where we have choices. Well, I need to rush around and finish cleaning the house. Or I may choose to clean the house, but do it in a way that feels perfect. Or I may take a break and go outside and listen to the birds and have another perfect moment, you know. That's a great practice. you
0: should write about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I like you mentioned it in your book from being like hyperactive to being inert spectators. And it would seem to these seem to be the two options. either I have to do a lot of things or I do nothing. And we need that kind of balance too of like, well, let's let's do something, but let's meet somewhere in between of not being too active but also not being too passive. And uh, I I think that's important. And many people are just driven by hyperactivity. And that's why it leads to burnout, because they're not listening to their bodies, it's telling them or their minds. So it's telling them, you need to slow down, you are doing too much, or you're distracting yourself from from various issues, you're escaping them which can lead to, to things like uh, uh, addiction, which comes in many forms. And you mentioned that. You can be addicted to your work. You can be addicted to exercise. You can be addicted to to uh, good nutrition. Uh, uh, and that's also something that uh, some people suffer from. And uh, it's really finding that that kind of balance and not being driven by things. One of
1: the chapters in my, well, I have four chapters in the book that talk about spiritual qualities that are important for us to have one of them is constancy which means i'm going to follow through make a commitment to see this to a a, it's rightful conclusion another one is contemplation and that's where your your talk comes in is if we take a moment to breathe or even 20 minutes to breathe and to write about what's happening here and What can I do better? How can I make a shift? Then it's not like, oh, how do I be better? It's, you know, what do I need to do to come into spiritual alignment and wholeness? And that's what's important. And that's where the consecration comes in. It's like, I'm going to do my life in a way that I see the divine living within me as something to honor and grow with and communicate with and learn from and so that's where the spirituality comes in is anytime we can stop and go inside instead of i have to get all this done out here
0: And, and it's innate and it's, uh, it's within us, you know, that kind of like sacred consciousness, they talk. it's within us. So kind of like in, uh, when, when the Buddha uh, became enlightened, just realized, oh, this was always within me. And as you mentioned, uh, Jesus, the kingdom is within us. So we, can, we all can have access to it, but it's kind of sleeping, it's dormant, and we need to, to, to wake okay. it up. And, and it's important to do so. This is not something to take lightly. It's really important as we look around in the state of the world today. If we could really connect with that, we can uh, not only have peace for ourselves, but for others as well and around us. And it has a very positive effect
1: on others too. I was talking to a woman who has a social work background and she said, oh, Elaine, what are we gonna do to change change this messed up world? (laughs) And I don't see it that way. I see that we change this messed up world within ourselves. (laughs) And then the world of the people that are around us. And then we're doing our Dharma.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One at a time. That's, uh,
1: that's yeah, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. One person cannot change the messed up world. And so to put energy into thinking, oh, I have to do that times right now, that doesn't, that doesn't take us where we need to go.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to have to go full cycle to homecoming, returning home. And you mentioned that in your book. Uh, what would you say uh, about that, the, the return home? And what is home? And It's it's not just talking about where you're from, your nationality. We're talking about much deeper than that, right?
1: Yeah.
0: So home, how do you define home? Yeah,
1: sorry. Home can be many, many places. But our, our truest home is our spiritual home within where everything is totally fine once we know uh, I'm home and I'm grateful and I'm gonna rest in this state for a while. Then it's possible for us to have many homes in different places in the world, because if we can hold on to this state, then we can hold on to this state when we take a trip to Africa. Or New Zealand, or you know wherever. and that means we're just enriching our 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 home. It's It can be very, very broad, very big. home is where the
0: heart is yeah home is where the heart is and that's that's exactly it and uh, 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 Elaine Holm uh, um, thank you so much for for being on Arash's World you're an author psychotherapist meditation teacher life coach and many many other things as well as I can tell and your book is Everyday Soul Dances a Guide to Soulful Living in the Midst of Uncertain Times a book that I highly recommend thank you so much for being here on Arash's World and sharing your light and wisdom with everyone
1: Thank you so much, Arash. Namaste.
0: Take care.